You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Tara Smith. Hi, how's it going? So tell me, Tara, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm 27. Uh, I live in Sydney, Australia, um, and I'm doing my PhD at the moment in the field of science fiction. And um, yeah, I guess that's what I'm doing at the moment. I work part-time in administration. Um, I live in an apartment with my cat and my partner. And yeah, that's about it. You said you're getting your PhD in science fiction. Now, what type are you like a writer or are you a type of movie buff? I'm sort of an academic uh, with focusing on science fiction and literature, but I love sci-fi movies, sci-fi shows, sci- games with science fiction elements, like pretty much, uh, it's pretty broad, but my thesis is focusing on science fiction and literature more specifically. What exactly um, areas do you find fond in the scientific, uh, sci-fi literature at least? I'm looking at science fiction and how it can be used as social fiction. So looking at particular works with an emphasis on to improve the world or critique how we look at certain things and how that can be better sort of uh, taught to people and sort of made into uh, like public discourse rather than just always being like a niche kind of kind of geek sphere, <laughs> how we can get it further out. That's kind of what I'm interested in. Is it kind of related to popular culture studies? Oh, yeah. But I'm actually in the religious studies department, which is a bit weird, but that's sort of the department I'm in. And so I also focus on science fiction and religion and how uh, they, uh, how science fiction works explore religion or problematize religion. But my background is majoring in uh, religious studies. Now, when, so you're from Australia. That's completely different <laughs> from my area here. And now, is, yes. your, is your fascination, because a lot with what it sounds like with sci-fi studies is about looking towards the future, but more of a utopian society type deal. Yeah. So, um, I think I'm interested in utopias and dystopias. Um, and so in Australia, there's not really much science fiction studies happening at all, really. Um, it's sort of, uh, you can't really, even in a literature course, you won't necessarily study anything to do with sci-fi. It'll mostly be focusing on more traditional literature. So it's a pretty weird and niche topic, especially because I'm in the religious studies department, which is mostly to do with like theology or Christianity, not much sort of on <laughs> science fiction. So it's a bit like this field, but I thought, you know, three, four years, I may as well be doing something I really like. So I picked sci-fi. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, it makes sense because a lot of what you see or read in like sci-fi books, it's like, wow, I wish that, like, I remember watching the Jetsons. I don't know if you know who they are, but like <laughs> that cartoon that was on TV and next thing you know, it's like by, oh, by the year 2012, we're going to have flying cars. Well, it's 2012 and there's no flying cars. <laughs> exactly. So I think like, that's a fascination aspect of it. I don't think it's the whole idea of like, I think it's, it's it's a little bit of focusing more of a progressive way towards the future. Is that is that a better understanding of it? Um, I think it used to be, and especially in America, I think sort of like you had a lot of literature, sort of like uh, I guess like Cold War era, maybe before then, the kind of uh, focusing on technology as being almost a positive, uh, and then sort of the uh, like atomic fear of atomic weapons, it became a lot more fear of technology. And I think now that's sort of what the sci-fi today represents is a lot more like um, really spec, uh, like kind of critiquing idea that technology is going to save us or technology is sort of redemption factor. And you get a lot more uh, kind of moving 
the opposite direction and critiquing that and being afraid of the end of the world and that's when you get the apocalypse and dystopias and stuff like that well i'm a big believer that one day technology is probably going to end up being like skynet from terminator where it ends up controlling <laughs> us mostly because i see when i go up to my buddy's house how much technology is implemented in his life now to where he's mm. become very lazy and the fact that alexa's basically on the verge of controlling his toilet and i see that as too much power for any machine um totally and no, I get pretty paranoid about it too. I think if you read as much dystopia and, and all the AI robotic stuff is pretty bleak. And I, and the idea that we could create something that has some sort of sentience that's not like that's based on humans is going to be this kind of um, very positive and like kind of good being just seems to me really unrealistic. Like if it's like humans, it's going to be flawed like we are, I guess. Do you think that people have a fascination with technology because of how easily it's made our lives? I don't know what what it is. I don't, like. I mean, I use technology, but I I'm still very skeptical that it's going to be this thing. Like, I, I hear a lot of conversations around AI, being uh, sort of like specific AI, but also general AI. So specific AI is like kind of like the everyday technology using like face recognition and stuff, like pretty basic. But then general AI is when you're talking about those kind of like full on robots, like that can think, feel, smell like humans. We haven't quite got there yet. And that's when you get like the singularity complex and all that sort of stuff. So people kind of think that there's going to be this AI development that's going to be really positive, that this society is going to suddenly have all this spare free time. Everything's going to be great. We're going to like get to read more and there'll be all the those labor jobs, like factory machines and stuff is going to be taken we over. Have, so you remember be... the Luddites, right? Do you know about the, the what? Sorry. The Luddites during the Industrial Revolution, there was a group of there was like a group of people that formed together to break machines, like factory machines and stuff, because they were taking out their jobs. The the, the newspaper presses, all these all these types of things that were coming out that were literally mm. back in the day of the industrial times. Like yep. people got barely got enough money for a piece of bread for a week. Now they couldn't feed their family because of the fact that um, machines were now taking their jobs from them. So yeah what they did was they literally would break up machines and that was sparked the Luddite movement. And I think that's, people see that like, Oh, they were just in the past. They were uneducated. I'm like, you can see that now. A lot of people are a little bit resistant to change with technology, but it's just the common norm to be open to it. You know? Yeah, I definitely. Well, I try and incorporate at least less in my life of using my cell phone. Um, I yeah. try and, at least when I'm going to the grocery store, I don't see it to the point where I need to be on it while I'm in the grocery store, like there's an option, there's an option there. Like you, you don't want to be sitting on your phone spending an hour inside the store when you can get in 20 minutes and then get right back on it if you want. But I feel like too many people like tasks become a lot longer because people are just so hooked on these devices nowadays. Yeah, definitely. And you miss out on all those kind of like micro moments in like public transport where you like actually look someone in the eye or you smile or you pass someone like all those moments get lost. And I think people feel quite isolated because of it. I think people are just becoming like desensitized to each other now. Like we talk about a sensitive society. The world's becoming a little bit more sensitive when it comes to like, but it's not the focus. It's not like the main things we should be sensitive about. You understand? Yeah. Like the whole fact, like we're worried about someone being properly, whatever, pronounced correctly, whatever their gender is. And now we're doing X, Z, Zim, Zer, Zer. Like I've talked to transgender people and I've understand their point of view and I'm, I'm, open to I try and usually fight the other side as much as I fight the side I do believe in and mm -hmm. the, the reason why is I go out to the store or something and there's a kid or an adult 
that bumps right into me because they were looking at their cell phone. And I'm like, I look at him and he goes, what? I'm like, whoa, excuse me? Like, you bumped into me, man. You should be apologizing to me. And they get frustrated at you. And I see it as nobody's handling stress very well. Nobody's Mm -hmm. handling anything anymore, any problems anymore. Everyone's becoming very disconnected out of each other's lives. You need to have social interaction in everyday life. That needs to happen. I don't know if you've ever played the game Sims, but there's a thing called (laughs) a social skill. That's a real thing. Okay. If you go and isolate yourself, I've been, I know what it's like. I've been introvert for a couple of years and then I finally Mm -hmm. broke out. The thing is you become very, very compact and comfortable in your everyday life and Netflix, all these wonderful things that technology has makes it very easy for that to happen. I think the world is becoming completely isolated, much like that sense of touch, you know, how your body has all these perceptions, sight, whatever. Well, the sense of touch, we're losing our feeling around everything around us. We're losing the true grasp of reality. Definitely. I see that as in the, like the incel movement being a real manifestation of that. Cause one of my side interests, like as an academic is like, you know, and I'm sure you know the incel movement, right? Yeah. The, um, I think it stands for, um, what is it? Something celibate where you sort of like, you don't want, want to be celibate, but you are. And it's sort of become a sort of a very, it started, I think, in 4chan or one of those early kind of groups and it's just grown for mostly men that are really like dissatisfied with their lot in life they either blame genetics or or whatever and and they can't get women and then they hate women and so then it manifests and then you get people doing things where they're like going out and shooting people because of this kind of hatred that they have towards society and women and i see that 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 can disconnect and always be on your phone always being on the internet and never connecting with real people can manifest into some really really dark uh, kind of worldviews. And that's really sad because I, I, I look at these men, I'm like, you don't really know many women. Like you can't, because if you knew women, you wouldn't be this, have this much hatred. That's, I mean, that's how I, I think it's just so spooky. It's like, where did these people come from? I think people end up getting a little bit full um, with the world today, especially feeling mm-hmm. like so disconnected. Like, you know, you don't really have conversations with your own family anymore just because yeah. It's just not a thing. You guys sit in front of the TV and just get mindless. I think we're being brainwashed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I love technology. I really do. It's made my life easier. Like I wouldn't know what it would be like if someone just dropped me off in the middle of the woods and told me to survive. Yeah. I probably would yeah. be dead in a matter of minutes. But I think you have to look at the factor of it has made our lives way too comfortable where it's going to turn into the movie Wally, where everyone's 800 pounds floating on these giant beds or never not yeah. moving anymore. Like our bones are going to become less or more dense or less dense. And then I don't see a whole good aspect. Like I'm still kind of worried that Skynet, like I said, was going to happen considering that the government literally has a center for existential risk. Do you know what existential risk is? No, what's that? It's the idea that people are going to implement, try and become like cyborgs and technology wise, like doing all these implants. Oh yeah. And I ask people this question. I want to ask you it too. Okay. If you could be a mortal, would you choose it? So are you saying immortal? Immortal or, or immortal? <laughs> it's the or accent. What you, immortal. Either immortal or everlasting life. Like you would never die. Yes, I would. <laughs> Why would you choose it? 
I have so much curiosity to see what the world would be like in like 100 years, 200 years. And I know that I would regret it later because I'd be like, I wouldn't be able to die and I'd be miserable and all my family would die. But my curiosity is very strong to just know like, do we evolve into something different or how do we change or do we die in like 100 years? Like, I'm, I chalk it up. Well, I chalk it up to the movie The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel. I don't know if you've ever seen this film. but I think I have. It sounds familiar. He's sitting on the uh, a bench with the young um what's his name the guy that played in the uh the hobbit uh for elijah wood elijah wood yeah he's sitting on the bench talking to elijah wood and he's like wow what it must be like that you've lived forever because he's cursed and he's like yeah. and he sort of just looks he goes i've seen the buildings built upon the battlegrounds that people have died on i've watched loved ones come and go i've never been able to and he's just explaining how hard it is to watch this all happen i'm like you see that with any movie where someone was immortal they want to die they they literally have lived for so long they've they've just seen everything they've seen the horror becomes eventually it, it gets old now i think one of the most easiest ways for people to become either whatever immortality and have that whole true aspect of it is sadly going to be through technology but i that's where existential risk comes in you start to question how much can you take out of yourself how much can i remove from you and implement with technology to the point where you're still you yeah so you mean like uh kind of like uh augmenting like having maybe like a robotic arm is maybe like the most innocent part and then that extends to like having um, or like an increased memory capacity due to like brain chips, chips. Stuff like that. I don't, but like yeah, I said I, I usually yeah. try and fight the other side's point too I am a strong person of living a Mormon lifestyle only because I can see where people take technology I know human thinking pretty well when it comes mm-hmm. to we do some stupid shit I am on Amazon at two o'clock in the morning looking at a glow-in-the-dark light for my toilet because I'm too lazy to turn on the light switch. I know (laughs) anything I do with technology is not going to benefit the whole world. So I realize Mm -hmm. the common narrative for people is you get a brain chip, okay, where I would see the beautiful aspect of being able to download Google Translate and have that on the back of your brain so you can be able to talk and understand languages better Mm. wonderful that's the that's this that's the way we want to take it but there's going to be the guys that are in the middle of class looking up porn through their gene chip and not paying attention to the education system again that's going to happen and i think a lot of people lose the factor of that everyone sees how wonderful it would be when life is rolling but we didn't know what like like people didn't know what life was like before lamps at one point i have never been in a world that had didn't have a lamp didn't have a light switch i could flicking lights came on we used Hmm. to burn candles and before that we used i I have no what you just had to kind of bump into things and figure it out but i think i think a lot of that's inevitable like i think those technologies changes are going to happen eventually it's i think it's how we try to minimize the risk and have like conscious kind of discussions about it so we feel like we can have still have a say i think trying to resist it is is going to be futile unfortunately as much as i don't agree with it necessarily but I think it's how we manage it and how we try and look after people through those sort of technology, technological advancements is, is going to be the key. Because what else can we do, right? Otherwise, you just let it happen. And then 10 years now, we go, oh, that was bad. And it's too late. I feel like with progress happening so fast, it gets very, very hard for people to see the true intentions that it should be used for. And what I mean by that is, yes, it's, it's, it, this is a technology is wonderful. The fact that I can talk to you and we're in two completely different continents, like that's pretty awesome. 
like just having that conversation and being able to meet you, I'm already a for technology. But at the same time, you have to look at what we usually will probably use it towards. We're going to use it not in the best ways for society. And I eventually think it's going to end up being a split where you don't have to get the gene chip. You don't have to get this chip that um, has money, whatever logged into your arm, like that movie with Justin Timberlake. You don't have to do that. But it's, it'd be easier if you did. It's like scanning a credit card instead of carrying cash all the time. Then eventually, yeah. places are going to require it. Then we're going to start separating people. And then it's going to turn into mm-hmm. two things. It's going to turn into the people that don't want to get any implementation. And there's going to be the people that are all for implementation. And eventually, we're going to have split societies. Like you go over there, like they don't have teleporters over there. No, man, they still drive cars. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know you- I mean, I mean, you can look at the same example as looking at genetic manipulation now, like that that's becoming going to become a thing soon where people have the option to, you know, change their genomes to be resistant to certain diseases. But like, it's a slippery slope, like where do you draw the line? And, and a lot of sort of sci-fi writers predict that you'll end up with a class distinction that is genetic. So like that you, there's certain things that you just won't have the same genes and, and there'll be no way really that you can move from without the money or it's not like these things are going to be given out freely democratically where you we all get the same uh kind of options it's going to be private companies like it is now with dna testing and that you're going to basically have to um you know kind of pay to do it it's going to be privatized it's going to be the most crazy social divide you've ever seen you know it's just it's it's just yes crazy like i said we always talk about people saying like it's tools for the trade it all depends on the person that is very true um just recently in china they are now able they used to they were doing testing with taking out dog spinal cords and monkey spinal cords and then re-putting it back into the monkey and dog and they could walk still and they saw this was as major major innovation for paralyzed people being able to fix the spine by taking it out disconnecting basically it's like brain surgery the one thing we've never been able to really do successfully we're now able to do and wow. it's seeing giant advances for science. People that are stuck literally with inside of their body, their body not working, you can fix it. Like I, that, that's amazing. I see that. But I also see how far, you know, sometimes it's, 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 it's it all, like I said, it all depends on who has that power. Now, obviously, whoever gets the chip implanted in the back of their head, my buddy's all for this. He thinks the world <laughs> is going to be awesome. He's, he wants to be the first person that signed up. I'm like, but it's like you said, you're not going to be that person that gets it. It's going to be a large company. It's going to be somebody wealthy that gets it first. Yeah. And honestly, do you want to be the first person to get a chip in the back of your head like that? I feel like. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of new religious movements like Christian. There's a, a group called the Jesus Christians, which are, I think started in the States and there's, they're a small group in Australia. And they basically believe that the chip implanted is the symbol of the beast. And that's going to be like the first kind of um, reason that the apocalypse is going to happen. So, I'm, I mean, they're just as a religious studies scholar and kind of interested in these kind of weird kind of new groups that pop up and that that's funny that the chip thing is something that they've always been kind of talking about being really evil you know it fascinates me how did you go from studying religion to studying sci-fi well i wrote my sort of master's thesis on frank herbert's dune i don't know if you know it at all um it's like a pretty famous science fiction work, um, kind of like a space opera, I guess, like Star Wars um, set on like a desert planet. But anyway, I looked at the religious, eco-religious themes in that book. So, and then I decided 
to kind of broaden out to science fiction more generally. But I still have a very big interest in conspiracy theories and new religious movements and they're kind of like a um, areas of interest of mine. I write a fair bit about David Icke. I've written a couple of papers on uh, his conspiracy theories. Do you know David Icke? I don't know David Icke, but I know a lot of conspiracy theories. Yeah, he's the reptilian guy. He kind of made the reptilian stuff popular. So the idea Explain that Explain that one to me. I have not really dived into that one that much. <laughs> That I'll do the best I reptilian can. aliens or something or aliens are rept are reptiles it's, it's pretty complex i'll try and do the, the best version i can it's it's because it's um it's been a while since i looked back at it and you kind of get in the rabbit hole every time you sort of either watch a video of david Dykes or you read something it's like kind of trying to like you kind of like believe it for a little bit you kind of like following it along and then he gets like hits you or something crazy and like hang on a second so he's, he's like basically Reptilian thesis is that there's an ancient bloodline called the Anunnaki, which is an alien bloodline, and they've spliced human DNA with their own DNA to create the Brotherhood, which is basically a sort of semi, I guess, reptilian, semi-human um, version of people that have all of these webs interconnected and they manipulate all of society to do things a certain way because they feed off negative energies. And that's how you can see shape-shifting politicians and things so basically David Icke believes that the Rothschilds and certain uh politicians are these reptilians and they can only be in certain planes uh, like dimensions at certain times that's why you can see them shimmer into their reptilian sort of and non-reptilian phase that's pretty much the summary it's pretty bonkers I'm not I don't believe in any of it but I find it very interesting that so many people do believe it, especially in America I think people take us like a conspiracy theory and they choose to believe in that, like the same thing with the flat earth. I think mm. when, when I look at religion, I like to think we all have a pieces of the puzzle. If you look at Egypt, they had a fascination with the body's afterlife. You know, we have a, in Christianity, we have a form of that too. I'm not religious. I mean, I'm an ordained minister under the church of bacon. Yeah. The yeah. church of bacon, just because it was a safeguard for atheists. It was an idea that if you didn't have a certain religion, you shouldn't be prosecuted for it. So why don't you just join the church of bacon? I saw yeah. that. I think anybody can take deep meaning out of something like pastafarianism, mm -hmm. all these parody religions I have a fascination with because me too. A lot of people see it as they're creating a joking manner and making fun of the main religion. I'm like, but don't you sh you should highlight the aspect that it's ridiculous for everyone to believe in the same thing. What makes mm. us unique is that we have a beautiful understanding and different workings of our minds. Yeah, no, definitely. And then there's, I think that, you know, the UK is that they have the Sunday assembly, which is basically like an atheist church. So you go, you have like humanistic ceremonies and everything and it's set up like a church sermon, but it's all for atheists and humanists, because I think there's a certain value in that community aspect, even if um, you don't believe in like the kind of typical religion. I've got a very broad definition of religion that includes things like civic religion, um, you know, or pretty much any kind of thing where you gain meaning and it's your ultimate concern. That to me is, is to be considered religious. I think a lot of times, like, it's really weird where we're seeing society adopt new things. I think um, huh. a lot of it's bad and a lot of it's really, really good too. I'm, hmm. I like seeing that, like, I'm not saying I, I don't like Christianity, but I like seeing how it's not the dominant religion anymore. Like if, mm. you know, back in the day, like let's say 20 years ago, there was not that many religions that were known here, at least. I mean, we knew about them like in history or something, but they weren't as common as it is nowadays. Now you ask someone about Christianity, they're either say I'm not religious or like the community's hurting, the Christianity community. 
there's mm. still the people that follow it a little bit and there's still people that have hardcore belief in it and I would never change their minds on it. I would try and understand it and I'm glad that they have something they can believe in. But at the same time, I've witnessed Jehovah's Witnesses and this is mm. why I wanted to go and get a philosophy major was because I was walking in my local town and a, a Jehovah's Witness is talking to random strangers and he goes, you sir, going to hell if you don't believe in Christ. I'm like, hold on a minute. Now, this is where my fighting side comes out of me, more like the point, like, I need to figure out why you think this way. Not really just trying to argue, but just trying to understand. Mm. And so I walked up to him and was like, so tell me why you, like, believe this. And he's like, well, it's the main, he's like, this is what we are, this is what we are, like, there's a book on it. And starts showing all these things. I'm like, but there's a lot of flaws. You understand that book was created by a man too, right? And, mm. Yeah. And I was like, and you admit there's mistakes in history, right? Yeah. And I'm like, and the commandments are also kind of telling you what to do, not really suggesting things for you to do. Right. And he goes, yes, but they're, they're, they're guidelines or rules we need to follow by. I'm like, but if you really look at that and then you look at laws of humans, like, you know, don't speed, don't drive, don't do this. These are things that are implemented for safety reason, but it's also with like, it was created by a person. The whole reason we think of it as a safety thing and look at it as a law, but if you really look down to the true aspect of it is it was created by somebody and how could their judgment on safety be the thing that we all go by? Who's to say that driving a little bit faster if you know how to drive isn't safer than going slow behind someone that isn't? Like I said, it's all about understanding the other side's point of view. And a problem I face with talking to religious people is they have a hardcore set in their ways and my whole opinion like i'm very open-minded to everything i would i would love it if like god was real i would love it if anything like that was real but i have i haven't had that experience yet you know what i mean i have not truly came to that understanding yet and i that'd be cool if one day it happens l if i get to the pearly gates or whatever but um i always chalk it up to what jim gaffigan said where he says um i don't know if you know who jim gaffigan is american comedian Uh well he talks up he goes wait i'm gonna pop up at the pearly gates you're telling me heaven is a closed community what is like there's it keeps the kids out of the pool and like he's joking like that i'm like it's true though because you start looking over a lot of stuff like my cousin read like um he read the bible he read uh everything from either like islamic religions whatever they i forgot what they call their book quran yeah he read the quran and he studied it all extensively and he's like we have a podcast that we did called philosophy like uneducated philosophers because me and him both think the same way when it comes to understanding religion understanding things because Mm. nobody we believe we're all it's all getting pieces of the same puzzle everything that every religion talks about hits very closely related it's all about really caring for one another and not causing harm to others which i believe is a giant thing in human nature and it's on our minds constantly but everyone is completely oblivious oblivious of it we don't choose to follow those that true human nature to care about one another Mm. yeah i I agree with you i think i mean there's i think religion i used to be a very angry atheist back in the day Uh, so when i first started my religious studies major i was someone that watched a lot of debates of like richard dawkins christopher hitchens and was just like really angry and i had to really just as soon as I started like learning more about different religions and trying I had to just kind of mellow out and and just kind of be a bit more accepting and and realize that just because I don't agree with other people's 
journey doesn't mean that, that what they're doing is wrong and try to have more conversations with people. Because I think atheists can fall in the trap of being almost as militant and as aggressive as, you know, fundamentalist Christians or really religious people as well. And so I think it's important to keep an open mind, keep the dialogue open. And I think that's the same for everything, really. So what I've tried to do now is, is learn about other religions and learn about things that, especially the things that I go, nobody could believe that. They're the ones that really get me going. Like, that's why I love conspiracy theories. I'm like, nobody could believe in reptilian, shape-shifting aliens. <laughs> like, you know, how can you believe that? And so I love talking to people that believe this sort of stuff, not to ridicule them, but to just try and get their perspective of how this makes sense. To them. What conspiracy <laughs> theories do you find that you're, you're most belief in or some that you find are really, really, like, awesome? I don't know. I like the reptilian alien stuff because I totally get it. It's, it's if you look around your society now and you think, how the hell did we get here? And especially, you know, this it's kind of how we're living now. It makes sense. It makes more sense that, that there's reptilian brotherhood kind of pulling on the strings and trying to make the world a certain way than to just say, we fucked it up, right? Yeah. It's so much easier because it's giving you a reason to something that doesn't really have a lot of answers. It's just bad. It's just, we're just human nature. It's just kind of bad luck. So that's, that like makes so much sense. And I think that's where a lot of conspiracy theories help people, gives them a, a feeling of control that, but if they just knew about these kind of intricate plots to do with this, then at least they have a reason behind things that really just don't have any reason. <laughs> I think it's a, a lot like we have a fascination with mystery. Um, yeah. Like people are want, well, they, they love that there's curiosity, but they understand like they don't, sometimes you truly don't want to know the answer. I chalk up like you hear what's going on with Area 51 in the States. <laughs> yes. A yes. bunch of people running. I want to say, I see the Reddit memes and stuff. It's pretty funny. I, 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 I tell people, I'm like, look, you don't understand. You're going to get shot doesn't matter what's in area 51 uh they don't want you to know it's there for a reason so don't even try going in there i Do you like, honestly think people are gonna rock up i don't believe it for a second no i don't i think it was a giant like joke thing that turned into this giant spark and then now i think people are actually going in full belief like there's gonna be a bunch of people showing up like where's everybody at i thought there were supposed to be like seven hundred thousand of us all running up here there's only 10 people and then, like, <laughs> No way is there anybody going to show up at Area 51. I, 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 so we'll see that like Area 51 took extra precautions now. What they did was they bought up all the land mass around it so no one can get anywhere near it. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, uh, people have uh, taken videos of trying to show up there and the government telling them to turn around. They don't have any jurisdiction there. The fact is the government does some shady, shady stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not just America's governments, Russia's, it's Australia's. We uh, we used to do a project that was known as conspiracy theory back in the day. I think conspiracy theory is just another term of evidence that hasn't come to light yet. Really? Like for all of them? Like, come on. No, nah, nah, I mean, not the reptile one, obviously, but a lot with like <laughs> government experiments that are going on, these types. Yeah. Of I think a lot of that is uh, when it comes to conspiracy theory, I think a lot more is belief into it but i think it's also the same factor you have to chalk into like if you tell one kid something and they go and whisper it down the line of like 50 kids by the time it gets yeah. to the last kid the whole story has completely changed from what it's originally was yeah so, definitely like australia for for instance did the same thing we did and it was against a, a human ethics code where we used to take people's dead bodies of their loved ones and we used to dig them up without telling them and we used to 
test radiation on them. It was called Project Sunshine. That was known as a conspiracy theory, and the government would no way do that. Well, Australia had to pay a bunch of fines to people, had to pay a bunch of debt that basically to reimburse people for, sorry for digging up your dead grandfather and testing radiation on his bones. And also the fact people talk about abortion, um, and they talk about that sensitive subject. We were taking babies that were telling the parents that their babies died and taking that baby that maybe it might've had a disease that wasn't going to live that long and getting its cells, getting its, like using it for testing. We tested radiation on its bones. We did all these sorts of things. And that's not just America. That was Russia. That was Japan. They had a, mm. Japan had a biomedical tissue services where they used to pick up 50 people every month out of their town and other neighboring towns and test on them. Mm, yeah, I, I like. I think that there's definitely some conspiracy. I mean, there's conspiracy theories that have been true, but I mean, what do you think about like ones that are obviously causing a lot of harm, like like anti-vaxxers? Like, how, what are you kind of like? Don't you think that this mis total mistrust of the government, while sometimes granted, is also creating a rift of people that are not turning to doctors or scientists and thinking, well, well, what do they know? I can Google that and find like ten, you know, ten bits of evidence to say. Like, what do you kind of think about that? I think with vaccinations, a lot of people like I got into an argument with my buddy who's all for science. He considers himself a scientist. And it's funny because my my cousin th kind of thinks the same way, but has likes to fight the philosophy side, too, because he, he has a belief that like, I don't know, in human nature and the kind of the mysticisms of the world. And then mm -hmm. we're all sitting here talking, trying to have a chat. And I'm just hearing my buddy spout so much information. That is, that is, that does make sense. I think you can sway anybody to your side of view, especially if you talk reasonably and use a lot of evidence as well. But like, I chalk it up to understanding with vaccinations. We have done it before. The government has done it before. We have made it sick. Uh, people sick with like Tuskegee syphilis experiments. We were injecting people with Tuskegee viruses. We were injecting people with AIDS. We were injecting people with all these types of things, syphilis, just to see what happens to someone. But the problem is we did it with people that did not look like us. The weird thing that people don't believe it now is with the history of what we've done with actually using these types of vaccinations and things that was known as a cure, but really was giving them the disease. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Westbrook um, or yeah, it's Willowbrook um, high school. Basically it was mm -hmm. a, it was a high school in Willowbrook that was basically like a mentally disabled school. And this was back in the time when parents that had a mentally disabled kid, a lot of them didn't know what to do because a lot of evidence did not like they didn't know how to treat them. They didn't know how to care for them as well. So the parents would literally just open up the door, tell these kids to get out and then push them off and never check on their kids again. Well, their, their whole climate environment, everything there was, it was supposed to only hold 3,000 students. It ended up holding 6,000 something. They were all oh, naked. God. They weren't showering. And when they would shower, it'd be once a week. And there would be 11 of them in the, the room. Like there's pictures that you can look up and they're just naked standing there like disconnected. Like they're, they're, they don't, they're not taken care of properly. They were injecting oh, yeah. them with hepatitis. Oh God, that's horrible. And they did that because the old hospital, or the it used to be an old hospital, an army hospital. So basically, ninety percent of the time, or ninety percent of the people that went there got hepatitis because the place was not properly sanitated. It was still had hepatitis in it. 
you know, they were using old rusted things from back before when it was an army hospital, using that as their medicine there too. And then eventually they used that like, oh, well, people get it anyway. We might as well start testing them. And they started testing them. I say, when you look at that and you look at where vaccinations are today, it's really, really hard for people to believe that they're going to affect the common man. And I'm like, but it's in human nature to want to understand more. And sadly, understanding doesn't have limits when it comes to as what we care about human ethics. We have a human, human ethic uh, code for a reason, but nobody ever seems to follow it. They seem to kind of bend the rules or cut corners in a way. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessary too, because my partner works in like science field and, and like, and I've also had to go through ethics just to be able to do like interview science fiction writers. And it was like a really lengthy process where a board meet and they discuss and that was just me interviewing people and if you are doing any sort of medical trial you have to go through really yeah like uh big processes of you know several different ethics committee meeting you have to work out you have to have like a 30 page document how you're going to minimize risks and it's not like you can just decide to do crazy stuff oh you know? i don't believe yeah i don't believe the average man can i don't believe the average woman can either i don't believe that the average person scientist whatever can break the rules like that but i believe you got mm. enough money you got enough power you know enough people you can you can you can you can blur those lines a little bit especially with if you know um the numbrig trials for the nazi scientists all those yeah. people that got off because they were able just to give us all their research and we totally forgive them for all their crimes against humanity yeah, there was really only cool. like 12 of the doctors out of the 28 that were on trial that got prosecuted and that's because they wouldn't give up any information that was relevant to us but we took that and we're like all right you're, you're forgiven and we, in, we incorporated them into our society i hmm. see is that this, is this, you're saying this is mis the mistrust of why people are anti-vaccine uh, anti-vaxxers now I think the problem is people, like I said, a lot of evidence and a lot of information gets blurred. Like, especially when it comes to the medical field, a lot of people have problems with big pharma, these types of uh, things that get people addicted to drugs, especially in like our country, is the fact mm. like they're literally giving you legal dosage of meth, but you're not going to take it if they prescribe it as meth. You're going to only take it when um, they give it a fancy name, like myethyltryptamine. You take that, it's like, oh my God, but really it's meth. Like if a doctor said, here's some meth, you're not going to take it, all right? It's like, oh, it's back pain, but it doesn't hurt that bad. But it's like, you look at that, and in my area, there's people suffering from opioid addiction. There's kids that are getting pills when they're three or four years old because they have ADHD. I had ADHD yeah. when I was young, and I was lucky enough that my parents didn't put me on a prescriptive medicine, you know? Yeah, yeah. And going through school, it was tough for me, but I learned how to adapt and I learned how to focus it and I learned how to channel it in yeah. better ways. But I Definitely. think I can understand like what you're saying that there's flaws in like certain systems and that, you know, that the medical and the pharmaceutical companies aren't always telling the truth. But I, don't you think that it's dangerous to kind of say, well, just because in this scenario, you know, we're overdosing kids on ADHD medication, it then means that we should be avoiding vaccinations. I mean, like vaccinations are so important. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm, oh. So, Oh, I yeah. see what you're saying. No, I, I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, if you want to get a vaccination, go get a vaccination. If it helps, it helps. But I think it's not out of the realm of possibility when people do bring it up. Like, am I a full belief that there were medically uh, making people sick with vaccinations? No. 
but I also haven't gotten a flu shot in a while and I don't know. So I'm not in that realm anymore. So when people go and get vaccinated and if they do feel better, they feel better, you know what I mean? Or if they don't get sick, they don't get sick. I don't know. But I say, I think it's, it's dangerous to have children like getting chickenpox and things when they could have just had the vaccination and there's children that. Oh yeah, get yeah. Yeah. You should be totally ready for um, like be, you should be, first of all, if you can provide, or I, what would it be if you could totally take out any type of sickness like that, that's a, like, that could happen and take out any chance of that possibility of that happening. That's wonderful. It's the whole reason why we don't have the black plague and all these other types of things that are going on. Okay. So you're not an anti, like, you know, um, no, no, like a- I, I let, I let people make the decision for themselves. But like I said, I try and understand both sides of the spectrum. Like, yeah, I don't, definitely. I don't stick firm in my beliefs. I'll, I'll sway back and forth depending on understanding someone. I'm going to know what I'm going to run with, whether if God's real or not. I'm going to whether to know if, you know, history has shown me that people have been sick from vaccinations, but also if vaccinations work too. That's not, that's not, you know, that's not, not there. There's evidence of that. So when uh, when I look at that, I'm not pro for it and I'm not against it. I'm like, if you want to go get vaccinated, go get vaccinated. That's your just your choice and your decision. I have a problem when people start letting other people know, like, you're ridiculous if you don't get this. You're ridiculous if you're going this. It's like, okay, well, that's that person's road to walk. The problem. Yeah, I know, but it affects other people. I guess what I, I have problem with it, like, I'm I'm all for people like being able to choose what they want and and everything. But I mean, if if it's sort of going to affect and, and make other people sick and things like that. I mean, like, where do you draw the line? I mean, there's certain rules we have to do in a society, I guess, where do you draw the line between kind of, you know, it's sort of like, it's, I don't know, it's very complicated. And I think that you don't you think you could go kind of too far, like in, in just letting everybody do what they want to do. I mean, there's certain rules in society for a reason. Oh, yeah. Like we have to wear clothes for a reason. I can't just go to the store. And <laughs> yeah. But I also look at like, you know, it comes to some things like, you know, getting vaccinated. I do believe you should. I do think if, you know, you can prevent something, especially your child, like coming from a parent's perspective, you know, you don't want your kid to ever feel any pain. So that's a major thing. And also, you know, if you're an adult and you get sick like that, then you can contaminate a whole entire population. So seeing it also from a city type of view. But I also, like I said, I try and fight the other perspective too. The same reason why if you said you like toast, I say I like toast. You say you like toast with butter on it. I say I like toast with butter on it. Then that's it. But I still have to fight the other side. Like, yeah, but sometimes toast is really like difficult to make. <laughs> no, you you know, sometimes. To yeah, and I don't mean it to just be an argumentative. I just like to try and bring in all possible realities, kind of understand both sides of the spectrum. Like my aunt is a spiritualist, okay? I didn't mm-hmm. understand what that was. I thought that was completely nonsense. She goes onto the beach, does like makes wands and does these types of chants <laughs> and seances. That seems ridiculous. And I laughed at first too. Then after podcasting with her, I went and experienced it myself and I understand it. I get it. It's her, it's her ways. It's her things. The reason why we're so different is I think the problem with vaccinations and things is you tell people what to do and they're naturally going to want to fight back. Yeah, no, definitely. And I don't think banning, like in Australia, there's a few areas like where basically it's law that that your kids get vaccinated. You have a lot of people around the kind of really alternative hippie areas that really rebelling because that that kind of dialogue is not reaching them. If you go, well, you know, you legally have to do it now or we won't give you, they don't give you then um, subsidies, like they don't give you childcare support if you don't do it. So it's pretty much you either do it or you're, the government kind of stops giving you money for certain things. So they kind of like have them, um, forced to make that decision and a lot of them are just totally rebelling because it's 
stopping the dialogue. It's not going to them, having a conversation with them going, okay, well, what sort of things, why are you afraid of, you know, let's talk about vaccinations and why are they useful and et cetera. They're just saying, well, you know, you, you either change or, and it's making it worse because of course the anti-vaxxers are going, well, that's exactly what the government would do if they were, they did have these regimes or something, you know what I mean? So it kind of feeds into the, into the fears really when the government tries to crack down on it like that without using the same dialogue or, or talking to someone at their kind of understanding. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think it also like what's going on nowadays with uh, the 5G network that's going on. People mm. think that it's making their kids sick, like it's experiencing mental health problems and um, these types of like side effects, like a kid's like, apparently there was like a couple kids that got like really, really like, super severely sick from it, like got nausea. It also like, if you're around it too long or something, it creates some type of in, like, just affects your sleep, affects so many different things. I'm like, now I'm looking at both sides here. One, there is a type of frequency that your phone right now is sending up to the sky right now in an invisible signal that you cannot see. That light mm. switch that's getting, that's, there's something wired up into that and it is sending an impulse that can, that can possibly affect your nervous system. I believe like the fact that we can hack a Tesla and crash it can kill somebody. It's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, the little Wi-Fi um, booster signal things you can plug into a wall outlet and it boosts the signal in that specific area of your house where it's lacking. Mm-hmm. I chalked it up to what I was fueled on coffee and shrimp in my Christmas day podcast was the whole fact is I can see somebody hacking that little Wi-Fi signal, sending out an electrical impulse, like an EMP type thing that can shut down someone's nervous system and knock them out in their own house. That's where I want to go live a Mormon lifestyle. But I realized eventually technology is going to get to the point where, you know, trees, all these types of things have a type of wavelength, have a type of thing that can communicate to each other. They seem to be like thinking a little bit, like at least when it comes to, hey, there's a certain bug that's eating our leaves. Let's change our flavor of our leaves or release a toxin to kill these bugs so they'll stop eating us and killing us. I see that, like a special trees in Africa that have that type of thing. And I chalk it up to Avatar where everything's connected through the roots. I'm like, that makes sense. But at the same time, if I go to try and live a Mormon lifestyle, they could eavesdrop on me through a tree by connecting into the freaking <laughs> central nervous system of a tree. And I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. But like I said, it's, I, I see this stuff and I'm like, it's possibilities in a world that where we have a fascination with exploring other planets. The fact people before were like, you're going to land on the moon. You're going to put a man on the moon. That's ridiculous. Well, it happened. Now I like to chalk up to the conspiracy theory that we also didn't get to the moon. <laughs> like I'm not saying we never landed on it, but okay. we didn't get to the moon as we said we did. We did it like a little bit later. I think it was a giant propaganda act to tell people like, Hey Russia, we made it on the moon. Sorry, bro. We, you know, that whole scene they did the video and everything. And then we actually did get there, but it was a little bit later. And then Russia was like, shit, they already made it to the moon. We lost the space race. Yeah. Is there any conspiracy theory you don't believe in? Most <laughs> or you don't, like, you don't, sorry, you don't like kind of concede the side or what do you want to like believe in a little bit or whatever you want to call it? I think the conspiracy theory, like flat earth, that one's really hard for me to believe. I don't believe in Scientology. That that one, I'm sorry. That's the one thing I will say I don't I don't like. <laughs> I Scientology don't... isn't a conspiracy theory. Scientology is a religion. Yeah, but everything that guy created was a works of science fiction. And then he decided to make a religion. And then everyone's like, wait a minute, this guy that's given all this false fake story type like literature and everything. 
But he mm-hmm. said Scientology, so we have to follow that. That's real. I try and look at that. I'm like, everything he's ever created, every work he's ever created has been basically like a giant fake bullshit story. And then you're going to- Really? I don't, I don't believe that Elron Hubbard's, all his stuff that he's written is is false. I think he believed it. I mean, he was a science fiction writer up to the point, and then, and then he, he wrote some science fiction, but he wrote over like 200, 300 works of, of nonfiction that are all to do with- his philosophy and his beliefs. Um, uh, Dianetics is a very like complex theory based on basically psychology where it's a lot of just talking and talking about your feelings and talking about uh, past traumas and how those past traumas are impacting the choices and decisions that you're making now. So like it, it's it's pretty simple kind of like talk therapy that that what, what happened was he, uh, Aaron Hobbit wrote all these books and then sent them out to all these psychologists and psychiatrists and said, look at this technology I'm looking at. And they laughed at his face and he said, well, I guess I'll try it as a religion. And that's essentially what he did. But I think he was sincere in thinking that some of those things and that the therapy he was doing would help people. I'm not saying that I, I agree with Scientology. I know that they do some very shady shit to some people. I mean, they they are horrible to people that leave they chase people they you know they isolate people from their families that put one sides against each other that's where i don't really like but you also right now in this podcast the way you're talking to me you're you're helping me understand l ron hubbard a little bit where i'm not i mean i know a little bit about like what i've heard and experienced people and i've seen scientology and i've like heard accounts of people that are like don't talk to their family anymore you know yeah. one of my favorite act actresses Le- uh, leah remney you know she came yeah. out about scientology and they do they do some stuff eight million dollars to get a trophy or a medal like you get a, something for that for donating it to the church of scientology that's a little bit ridiculous but yeah the there's church- definitely aspects of it that are uh, maybe different but i mean there's a lot of religions now that have a very high economic concept where you tie a certain amount of your money to it and i, I think what's happened is Scientology has sort of emerged and it's very new and it's still trying to work itself out. Like the church in Australia, I think is quite different to the one in the States. I know uh, Mick Scavage or the head at the moment of Scientology in America, he's pretty insane. And I think that there's aspects of it that are really scary and horrible, but there's people that genuinely believe it, that, that go every day, they volunteer their time. Um, they believe in Dianetics. They believe that they're going to reach OT level three and be able to control matter and work their way up the bridge to total freedom. And, and they believe that. And I've met them and they're nice and they tell me what they believe. And I, and I find it hard to say that there's anything different than any other religion, really. And it has its problems. But you looked at any religion as it was created you know, thousands of years ago, had its schisms, it had its you know, problems happening, had people dissenting. And, any, and the thing is, we just got to remember, like, it's really new, just starting and it's trying to work itself out it's not going to be perfect and you know there's aspects of it that are weird but i think at the core it's not evil or bad it's just learning as it goes you think it's like it's just it's taking the steps it's kind of learning how to walk yeah definitely and i think that we can't just judge a a religion because it has a high money focus i think that's just not enough i mean we and we can judge because of certain people in it that are bad or members in the group that are doing bad things it doesn't mean the whole religion itself is can be kind of labeled as bad i think that there's plenty of people that really find a lot of meaning in it see that this is why i like podcasting because now i'm understanding <laughs> scientology i'm starting to hating it a little bit less i still don't like tom cruise but um yeah no. and, and i and i'm not a member at all because i one i 
you know, I just yeah. I well, you have a whole other perspective, <laughs> especially being in the in like sci-fi studies. You have another yeah. perspective, at least for Scientology, that I don't know about, and I'm 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 listening to it and I'm understanding more. Like I said, I'm all about understanding. I'm not I'm not making justifications or claims on anything, even though I, what I might believe, I still need I still want to see the other side's point of view too. I think a lot of what people chalk up with Scientology, where they start hearing things like for me, listening to Leah Remney. Um, and hearing all that sad stuff and then listening to another guy that was on uh, like a Joe Rogan podcast and hearing mm-hmm. that and hearing him talk about how he doesn't talk to his kids anymore. He's never met his grandkids. And I'm like, holy shit, they completely isolated you. And then I hear that it's kind of like a watchful eye type thing. Um, yeah. And then I hear like, I hear that. And then I hear about Operation Snow White. It was like a stupid, like criminal conspiracy theory by the Church of Scientology. I think it was like, in the seventies or something. And it was mm-hmm. supposed to just like take out any un like anything saying anything bad about Scientology or its founder, L. Ron Hubbard. Like I heard that and I was like, it was supposed to be like a series of like break-ins and all these things on a hundred and like something government agencies, foreign embassies and stuff like that. And like all these private private stuff that had all this information about Scientology talking shit on it. And I'm like mm-hmm. that I hear that one that happened. And then like, it was hard because they were talking about like wiretapping and I'm like, government does that too. Like, come on. And then you hear about operation snow White, and then there's, it goes to operation freak out that woman that came out, um, the U S author, uh, Paulite Cooper, Paulite mm-hmm. Cooper, you know, she was imprisoned, uh, to a psychiatric hospital. And that was all like a developed plan under the church of Scientology because she was taking action under like basically blasting out the church saying you're a scandal, wrote all these books. And then the FBI ended up getting involved and seeing all her documentary stuff about this. Like after she was like incarcerated yeah. into no, I, like I, I know how flawed like they are and problems have made. And like, I, but I get that's, all that. that's not their fault either. That's also a thing of uneducation too you know what i mean i think the best i'm not talking about education by book smart i'm not talking about any of that stuff because books can be wrong let me tell you but i think also it's experience it's understanding it's you know the reason why i look at my old podcast and look at my podcast now my mind's only increased in power knowledge is experience (laughs) you know what i mean they do a lot of what's interesting they do a lot of advocacy especially in australia for um mental illness in a way that they're pretty anti um like antidepressants and heavy kind of drugs they kind of they kind of believe that there's no real and this is like i'm not saying this is good and but it's and it is quite i don't know if i agree but they kind of believe that each mind is individual and so the idea that anybody could have a a real mental illness is kind of debatable if each mind's kind of individual they do a lot of advocacy about some weird tests and things like i don't know the full details but i think you know uh, maybe in like the 60s or 70s there were some weird tests being done you know mental illness tests and they actually fought for it in in the courts to kind of get certain um, mental institutions that were bad um, to be kind of dismissed and taken down. And so there's an interesting side that you probably don't hear much about. And also you don't really ever get to hear people that are happy in the church. They don't come and go, we're going to do like a, an interview now and tell you how great it is. And if you did, you might not even believe it. So I guess it's hard for them to get even positive information out when they have such a bad reputation as well. Yeah. I think like, you know, it's like America, like, our, it's you know with with history here you hear about all the good stuff christopher columbus did but you don't hear about the real bad shit that he did to get to what mm-hmm. happened and made this country today we're built on a rocky foundation i think every country has a really rocky start because they decided to take what was known as the immediate answer and the fastest answer than taking sometimes the long hard route which is less yeah. harmful 
but like we said, history is written by the winner. So, you know, nobody's going to talk shit on themselves in a book, at least. Um, I think with the, where technology is awesome is that it lets you expand your mind out to all these resources of information to expose these types of things that, you mm. know, opens up your mind to stuff that was not looked at before. The fact I learned about night witches, which was a group of women in Russia that were flying in crop dusting airplanes, like the open ones during mm-hmm. winter time in the middle of night, freezing cold in an open airplane in Russia. And they were dropping bombs on Nazi soldiers. I hear that. <laughs> I'm like, Holy crap. Like that's, that's amazing. There's more power to women and more power to people. And, yeah. but we don't know about that. Cause that's in Russia's history. That's not in ours. You know, there's things about Australian history that there's wonderful things that's way better than the United States. But when you're confined and you're in a place like a country like the United States, everything that's considered foreign isn't really as appreciated as something that we do ourselves. And yeah, Yeah, no, Australia's got the same problems. I mean, like, like we've, I think it might just be less known, but I think Australia is as equally as um, kind of does that as much as the States. And I think one conspiracy that was like back in the day when we were discovering with the moon, I do have like, I I didn't really believe that we would ever think to do, but we actually tried to do project a 119. I don't know if you've never ever heard of this. And it's the fact we tried to launch a nuclear weapon at the moon to show how powerful we are. Well, I didn't know that. I don't know. These all these sort of stuff like uh, you've got a good memory to remember all these different conspiracy theories. Well, I, I used, to, I used to do a spinoff series of this podcast called Fill in the Blank, and we focused on specific topics for like thirty minutes. Uh, and I, my buddy's like, I'm into conspiracy theories. I was like, All right, I don't know what conspiracy theories are. <laughs> and then next thing I know, I'm like diving deep into the realm. Like, bro, this shit's real. This shit's real. I'm pulling out all these articles. He's like, bro. He goes, dude. And we're sitting here talking about it and looking up the evidence, like facts on like different sites and trying to pull everything, everything that's correct about it and everything that's, you know, where it seems to be flawed. And I'm like, it's all about understanding, but let's talk about it and let's make it fun. So it makes it interesting to us as well. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, they're always fun topics. But I also, when I'm thinking about conspiracy, I always also try and think like, sometimes like if it's super complex complicated and convoluted it's not always the way like you know i think there's a there's this sort of idea that you know there's these 10 steps for this thing to happen and sometimes it's just a lot more of a simple explanation or i think it's it's easy to kind of get wrapped up into the intricacies and sometimes but you know and also the idea that there's these evil people that's what i don't like about conspiracy theories but this is idea that there's like evil corporation rubbing its little hands together just to kind of fuck the world and i kind of get that's the impression with uh, the reptilian stuff like where it's like oh yeah there's this there's this undercurrent of this evil organization just trying to like ruin everything for us and i don't always think that's correct so i guess i'm a bit like not like i know the world's flawed but i also don't think that there's people there that just are kind of evil rubbing their hands together you know what i mean yeah a lot of times you talk about like conspiracy theories or something like that you always think of like um, i don't know if you know alex jones is you hear that guy exactly so what I did was in a podcast he was in with Joe Rogan, it's like a three hour long podcast. He's just ranting off kind of like how I was going all these different things of information and stuff, like just saying a bunch yeah. of stuff, not, but like he wasn't clarifying and Joe Rogan was trying to get him to clarify for a minute what he was talking about. And he was talking yeah. about how his mind is like a river. It's constantly flowing to different things, constantly looking for another window to hop into. Mm. I heard that. So I decided every five minutes during his rants, I would stop, pause and listen to what he actually said. I looked yep. up half of this stuff that were considered conspiracy theories. 
um, the Jedi program. You ever seen that movie, Men Who Stare at Goats? Yes, I have. Okay, that's a real government program, and it happened an hour from where I was from. My really? mom didn't believe it. She goes, I went to that high school. I was like, mom, this is a real government experiment that happened in like 19, like that's real stuff, but they incorporated it into a funny movie. And then I see, I, I see the movie as a kid. And 10 years later, I find out it was all real shit. My whole mind was blown. I was like, oh my God, like really? And the fact that our space program was all part of Operation Paperclip, the fact that Russia, Japan, America, they all got Nazi scientists. They split them up. The reason they called it Operation Paperclip was they had paperclipped files onto their shirts. Oh, you're part of the space program. Well, did you know that a lot of America's space travel and a lot of our NASA program, like the little white shuttle that you think of when you think of NASA, that's all Nazi invention? Well, okay. I don't know that. These are stuff that if, that I would want to look and find like peer-reviewed like papers. Like I don't know. Like what do you what do you take as evidence for this sort of stuff? Well, this, this, I mean, this is all, this is all facts now. Like you can look up the weird part is we have a thing called freedom of information act, but it only comes out 20 years after the person dies. Anybody that was involved into the program. I don't know if you've ever heard of unit 731, but <laughs> there's, uh, there's, 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 like I said, there's weird stuff and I can go on and off. You have a conspiracy theory for everything. <laughs> like you, there would be some like project that you can link to almost everything. Well, I mean, I'm not using that as sufficient evidence to suffice, like saying that people are getting vaccinated with poisons and stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, people always say like, you know, when you compare someone to being like the devil, usually people say, you know, he's the next Adolf Hitler. He's something like that. Like you're Hitler. Like people use that as a different thing, but I'm like, Putin's killed way more people. I'm like, it's all about like, we, we make justifications and claims on stuff, but then like everyone always chalks up to being the, the worst people in the world is the Nazis. And I'm like, but unit 731 was a Japanese, basically it was the Japanese Nazis. They were yeah. vivisection people. They were cutting them from the bottom up and letting them bleed out like that. They were detaching people's arms and sewing it into the side of their body. I was like, but that's, you look at that and you're like, that's too horrible. That can't happen. I'm like, it's human nature to be horrible, but also there's also human nature to be amazing as well. We, we are. Yeah, but don't you find it hard to like navigate? I just can't imagine trying to navigate the world thinking of just like this much kind of corruption and all the time and everything you do like oh i don't know if i should buy that at the shop because i know that you know in 1970 there was that one conspiracy but you know like i mean like how do you how do you both have all these ideas of these conspiracies and exist in a like functioning in the world well for me i don't focus on it i you know i i live i live knowing what like knowing these things but i don't dwell on them all day i'll still go get a flu shot if i need to get a flu shot like but also you know the whole fact is you start surrounding yourself with a bunch of negative influences and conspiracy theories all the time. You're going to dig yourself down into a dark rabbit hole where you're going to feel like the world is corrupt and evil. I hear that. And I'm like, no, I also think about the wonderful things about the world too. The, you know, it's all about whoever has the technology or whoever has the mindset of doing what they're going to do with the tools that they have, the power that they have, you know, the fact that cornflakes was invented originally to prevent masturbation. I hear that. That makes me want to go out and buy a damn bowl of cornflakes. Like you, you think of that, you're like, what? That can't be true. 1945, Sir Harvey Kellogg invented cornflakes because he thought that sugar, that people, if they consume too much sugar, their passions would increase. So people would be more likely to masturbate. Wow. I was like, what? I was like, you're telling me this bowl of cornflakes I'm eating right now, it leads to that? 
And then I looked up the original name to horn the the green rooster on the box of cornflakes, and its original name was um, Corny, Corny the rooster. I'm like, excuse me. And his his slogan used to be up, up, up with cornflakes, down, down, down with masturbation. I'm like, what is going on right now? Like, you hear those? Those are the ones I have a fascination with. The ones that the yeah. weird, the weird like histories, the stuff. Not all yeah. the conspiracies and dark down stuff. I can't focus too much on those a whole lot. Like, I can't dive. Like, I can do like an hour in it. But the problem is, like I say, I try and look at the other side too. I when I did my series for fill in the blank, I was asking people what they were specifically interested in, and they told me I'm in I'm interested in industrial revolution, and that's where I learned about the luddites. And then also my one yeah. buddy's like I'm into medical innovations of uh, like sanitation in hospitals. I got interested in a book by Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris. Um, she had a book called uh, The Art of Butchery, and it talked about Joseph Lister and Robert Liston, these people that were amazing innovators for the Victorian era when it came to surgery, um, where you had to known to be the fastest because you didn't have any anesthetic or an whatever it is that um. Makes yeah. you not feel pain. I hear those. I'm like, it's it's people. We're taking steps. We're constantly on this ever learning, growing process of learning, and that's where I have a fascination with it because I think people take it where they're going to take it. Shit happens, but it's going to happen. I'm not closed off to everything being bad, though. I'm not like just surrounding myself like the world's a terrible place. No, I believe it's awesome. I believe people make it awesome, but I think we choose to the norm nowadays in society at least where we choose to let it drag us down and get us in our comfortable zone where I think we end up really just mm. kind of getting through life not really trying to be happy in it yeah I just think it would be difficult to just have all those thoughts about like anti like all these kind of kind of intense conspiracy theories about all, pretty much every aspect of your life and then suddenly going okay that's conspiracy theory mode off and now I'm just going to be more open like how do you not let that bleed into like your like kind of existence every day because if you tend to worry about things that are happening or tend to worry about too much you're already conflicting yourself with the biggest problem in life where people worry about problems that are not are not immediate i think when you look at an immediate problem like i've experienced you know two t flat tires in three different days from each other i get one tire fixed my next one goes out because i ran over a nail i see that i'm like i could take this and i could scream at somebody on the middle of the street but i'm not going to because this is just Did someone put the nail there like he showed that the government hasn't like put the nail there for you they think you're you're considering me too much of a conspiracy <laughs> i'm teasing no, yeah but i mean like <laughs> I like I, I I was like, all right, this is a problem in my life, but I'm not going to project it out onto someone else. Like I'm probably one of the only kids of my generation, or at least a very few small population that goes and holds the door open for people and helps people with their groceries and do that. Like I get all the time elderly people asking me, hey, you know, I didn't expect you to be like that. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like most kids your age would be just completely oblivious or just completely ignorant to helping mm. somebody. And I'm like, well, I wasn't raised that way. I had instilled values from my grandparents. So I learned like you get up early in the morning, you go out and experience these types of things. You go and work hard yeah. for what you have. You make sure you do everything you do is 100 10 percent but that's my experience and that's my life i you know i bruce lee chalks up to you 
literally God gave you this path because you're the toughest one to walk it. Your problems are your problems. Okay. If you focus on other people's problems and other things that are going on in the world, you're already missing the true aspect of making yourself a better person, which eventually if everyone focused on making themselves a better person and not hurting anybody else, we would truly be better as people. And then we could slowly work up to building back up the world, building back up. Like we have to build each other up first. I'm a big but I don't, I'm not a motivational guy, but I'm a big believer in human kindness. I believe it's there, but I believe a lot of people choose to let it go under the rug because yeah. they're too overwhelmed with what's going on in life right now. No, I know what you're saying. I just find it interesting that you can have like such strong beliefs in, in both of those aspects that, that, that you feel like that you have a certain like way of being as an individual and yet you still think of these kind of giant big, like I don't know how to explain it, but these conspiracy theories that have so many like Kind of almost like that you have no real freedom because if the government has as much power and all these organizations have as much way to kind of influence you how do you feel like you still have autonomy around the world i find it really interesting you can balance both these kind of spheres in your life i just don't know i think i don't think i'd be able to do it well like i said that's what makes people unique too the fact that i can do that and not dwell on it i'm also thinking i also have adhd so my thoughts are kind of running everywhere at once. Like right now, I'm already thinking about Raisin Bran for some reason. This, this son <laughs> smiling, looking at a bowl of cereal. I'm like, why is he smiling at the cereal? Like my mind takes different routes and different turns. But I think yeah. we all are thinking very, very differently, but we all kind of think the same. We all have a human nature to want to care for one another. I, I get nervous when, like I've, I've talked to people that are full on conspiracy, like believers, like people mm. that believe nine 11 was an inside job. I was like, I'll try and sit and listen to you, but I don't know because I was so little at the time. I had no idea what was going on. I, yeah. I, I didn't understand you lived in it. You were there and seeing it. And I'm, I talked to people, firefighters that helped out into the thing. Like they were there helping people get out of the burning buildings and helping mm. these types of things. And they witnessed the thing going in. I'm like, I've heard their real story of being there. Then I've seen yours of being on the internet. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to decipher and trying to understand everybody's point of view here. The fact, mm. the fact is every, we have a Dunbar limit too. We can only remember a certain amount of information or remember a certain amount of faces, but yeah. I hear that. I'm like, I'm going to try and damn well understand the world as much as I possibly can by listening to everybody's side. I can't make a justification claim or a thought on anything or make a, at least a classification on anything if I haven't heard the other side's perspective. Yeah, no. And I think that's what a lot of like conspiracy theorists like, like do like listening a lot to, to David Icke's videos and stuff is that he gives so much information in a period of like, and he does six hour videos, right? From start to finish. He'll talk for six hours and you end up just kind of like being bombarded with ideas and he moves so quickly to the next. Your brain doesn't have time to catch up. And I kind of think of it as like, information dumping and so that you i can see why people can just like hear this all the time and then and like kind of believe and i think that it kind of um doesn't pause and let you think and there's not enough but he'll say he'll keep saying oh it's up to you you decide what you want to take on and i'm like you've just talked like six hours like how am i how am i even supposed to know what i think if you haven't paused for breath and so i think it's difficult like that there's all these techniques that, that these people use and like i don't know how to explain yeah i, I mean uh, wait, were you saying that I was that I was kind of doing? No, I didn't mean to imply that. I just uh, mean like the uh, kind. Of, I don't even know why I brought it up, but the fact that why these conspiracy theories are kind of so effective is because they don't really allow people to look it up themselves. Like, oh, people that talk a lot about it, they don't say, you know, here are some 
here's some facts go look it yeah. up and kind of hear a lot of stuff and you're like oh okay i don't know yeah they make they make uh claims on things and then like they try and bring up like evidence too and stuff that, that it's not really really clear, super clear <laughs> yeah i have a lot of sources and i mean i can be at fault at doing that too but i ever try and convince anybody that you know in full belief of this happening i only know from yeah. like you know I said, is this, was this a real government project? I go and look it up, and then it's on the CIA's website. But there's a bunch of documents on it, and they, there's black mm. lines over it. I'm like, this is not a conspiracy theory anymore. This is real shit. Yeah, but also, course. the things I want to be focusing on on what's real is I want to know if Bigfoot is real. That's what I don't, I don't care about what the Nazis did. Honestly, I just want to know if Bigfoot's real. <laughs> and the whole idea is like, I'm a big fascination with cryptozoology and I think it brings out mystery. And that's why I think I have a fascination with it because if you watch, like, you watch those shows, I've watched them on American TV where they're like, um, they go into this like quasi archaeology and I'm like, we've discovered Bigfoot bones. And they, they like, the they go into a cave same, and they just find like one bone. It's the <laughs> same shit. Like, you know, we're, we're about to lose government funding. Jim Brewer said it best. He goes, this is a bone of an orthopithecus. <laughs> But it lived 50, 100,000 BC. And he's like, how do you know that? And he goes, because I know. And it's like, and it's like, it's really weird how all that information comes to light. The fact that they're about to lose funding and then they randomly find something like find a bone, any bone. You know what I mean? That makes sense too. But I look at it and I'm like, I try and give people also the benefit of the doubt, which I think a lot of people don't do anymore. Like I choose to like, I'll go to a store, grocery store, I'll buy a $2 item. I know exactly what it costs. It costs like one eighty nine, but I just tell her, keep the change and receipt. And I'll sit behind someone that has like a large amount of items. And I want to see if they'll let me go in front of them. Most of the time they do. Most of the time people realize that they may be in a hurry, but it's not even a second for me to let me go in front of them. And I yeah. say, thank you. And I, I'll help them if they need help getting groceries in the car too, because I did that. I, I get like to give little tests to people sometimes too. Like how upset are you really? I've witnessed and I've, I've been at fault for, I've stopped myself doing it. Um, a woman in 48 items or less and or not 48 items, that's 12 items or less with 48 items. And she's sitting there, older woman, stacking up her items slowly one at one. It's like, you could easily let me go in front of you. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. that's not 48 items. But I've witnessed people take out their aggression and pent up rage that's going on in yeah. their own life because they're overwhelmed and be an asshole to that woman. And people go around him and go, wow, that guy's an asshole. And then I see that guy and I'm like, coming from a psychology point of view, where I went to school and learned a little bit about mental health, chemical dependency, and these types of things that people get affected by their environment, their genetics. I was like, he's probably going through some shit. Next thing I know, I see that he's got a spare uh, tire on his car, not his real one. He probably got into a little thing where he had to put on an emergency tire and he's just trying to get home. So I understand why he's overwhelmed. He probably has some factors in his life. I think yeah it's nice I think it's good to have compassion for people and like especially I mean I worked in the service I worked as a cash register for five years and you get all sorts of people coming through and you kind of know that they're just using you as an excuse to vent for their day and they'll just yell at you and you know it's got nothing to do with you but they just needed a little place of vent. what do you, what do you yeah. think that is from though do you think I always chalk it up to like the reason why someone shoots up a grocery store or something is the like people are oh it's it was video games I'm like that's not true. I don't think, I mean, they're definitely violent, but I think if you're going to shoot up a store 
and you play video games and then you decide after you play video games you're going to shoot up a store right after that yeah, I, I don't think america's problem is with the video games i think yeah, every, I think every country has shooting busy video games and we don't all have shooting so I think you got to work out what the limiting factor is there. Yeah, people people say that they're like I've podcasted with people that are video game like nuts, like geeks they call themselves, and yeah, yeah. they're like video games are not violent. If like, and I go yeah, because if you're going to shoot up a store before you play a game, I mean, or when you're playing a game, then you probably were going to do it before. You know, you don't just randomly play Grand Theft Auto and decide, oh my God, I'm going to go shoot up a store. That'd be awesome right now. But no, I- exactly. And if you're going to blame video games, you're going to have to blame films. If you're going to blame films, you're going to have to play music with violent themes. You're going to blame music with violent themes. You're basically blaming all of the media that that person gets Yeah, movies and TV and shit. Like, that all has violence in it. You know, I yeah, see Johnny Depp swinging from a rope playing Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't think I'm, oh, I'm going to go freaking chop somebody's head off and steal their booty. Like, I'm not going to do that. But, no, definitely, and I don't think I don't think senseless violence in in doing exposing yourself to a copious amount of violence, whether that's violent films, violent, but I mean like constantly, can have an effect on your psychology. Definitely. I think throughout it's history, better. yeah, I think throughout history, people look for the most sometimes like they either like they say they look for the really like you were saying the, the really logical and long interpretation answer but i feel like the most of the time it's cutting the corners it's looking for the easiest possible solution like you know there's people like firefighters saying sometimes we didn't know what caused a fire and we just pointed out to something that's like it was this it's like you know it was that like that started yeah. the fire yeah it was this and then just totally back off from it and i hear that i'm like I definitely think people like to take a little bit of shortcuts because it's easier than to go on the long, hard route. That's actually more, I guess, honorable and more kind of passive yeah. towards others, like companies that people get in their high positions. The blame. I kind of see the video game thing in America is just shifting the blame from the guys. Yeah. Well, it's, it's taking the eye off. Like if you really wanted to get to that conspiracy, like taking the eye off of the government, I'm like, but you know, I think that's anywhere. The problem is you're trying to tell people and you're trying to make justifications and rules for a whole society to stand by. Like nobody does the job of being a president, right? Everybody does something or something wrong someone doesn't like. I'm like, you're just shifting blame onto something else so it takes pressure off you. I think that's what people do all the time. And sadly is we're living so structured and we look so much like the gym that works nine to five. Like I've podcasted people from Russia and all these people are like, everyone's two-faced here. I'm like, yeah, because we're all displaying a character and we're not showing who we truly are, afraid of hurting somebody or afraid someone's not going to like what we want. And But I mean, I, I mean, I went to America recently. I went to like Los Angeles and the States and like in Australia, I have no fear of ever being shot, right? It's just not on my radar. And, and in America, I had to have this whole new way of thinking. I had to be, I was almost paranoid. I was like, okay, don't get into any arguments with someone, you know, be careful when you're walking down the street because somebody could just have a gun out and end your life like instantly. I mean, like, what is, can you explain to me why Americans care so much about having the right to carry guns? Like, why is it so important? Not just any guns, fucking like automatic killing a hundred people in like 30 second kind of guns. What is with that? It'd be the same reason I wouldn't want to go to Australia because I feel like everything in Australia can kill you. But then I podcasted with a person from Australia and he told me it's not that relevant that things are going to kill you. He goes, the only things I'm really worried about are, are sharks 
and I'm worried about kangaroos. And I'm like, why kangaroos? And he goes, because they'll stomp the hell out of you and they'll box you. And then I looked up for 30 minutes boxing videos <laughs> of kangaroos, people yeah. fighting kangaroos. But I bet no kangaroo has gone to a playground and, and, and kickbox like 30 students or 30 kids, right? Okay, like, like I understand Australia is dangerous, like for the wild animals, but I mean, like nobody is dying. Like we're not having like 20, mass, like, you know, three mass shootings a day. Like what is with that? Like I said, Australia, you got to look at is a way bigger, uh, is a, at least a way bigger place than America is. And the problems, the problems that where you're focusing on, where you're hearing these types of shootings are in states, you know, it's really, it's like having a bunch of cities, like states are ridiculous things. Society decided to make a line and the fact that, oh, this is, this is Iowa. And that's, that's another state. That's, that's mm. a whole other territory. You're diving into that realm. I think the weirdness is that we're getting so much flack and publicity, especially with like our president now, where he's trying. He sees no publicity as bad publicity, which is understandable. Yeah. You're still mentioning his name whenever you talk shit on him. But the whole factor is we're under such a watchful eye, like everything, because America has been exposed of a lot of stuff, a lot of problems. So now people are very watchful of them. They know that they're they're seeing some stuff come out, like the fact that someone used Amazon Alexa in a court case. They found out they're recording even when you're not even talking to Alexa. That makes me not want to have it in my house. But we're being so monitored and such in the eye of news and media nowadays where it seems like every event we have is bad. That's not true. You're making justifications and claims on people in America that aren't that aren't all I don't think that there's an issue with the gun control in America. The I never said that. I definitely think there's definitely an issue with people getting guns that shouldn't have guns but also the same factor is you can get anything like that that's not just here either you can get black market weapons and shit in australia too you can get black market weapons and stuff anywhere i think it all depends on the variety of people you have together we're in a more small compact environment the factor is that but we're we going have to... cities as well like we have pretty dense cities i mean i'm talking cities. about country-wise i don't know i don't really understand what you're saying you're saying because america is if you look like... at america and see how small it is and see the population numbers there. Then take the population yeah. numbers for Australia and look how big their continent is. I mean, what about a more dense? What about India? I mean, India is incredibly dense, right? And, incredi for... and India is incredibly, I guess, I guess going through poverty. I've talked to people from Guyana and South America, but they don't see violence and hatred there. The reason why is America got a beautiful roll of the dice when we chose where, our, or where, we, where we started at. The fact yeah. that we have so many resources for expanding and technology. We're putting ourselves in debt, though, because China had the best roll of the cards or roll of the dice. You know, you look, people always kind of compare themselves to another country that's less fortunate. Same factor is everyone compares themselves to Africa because they're less fortunate. They have no food. They eat Haitian mud cookies, which are 90% um, dirt, 5% butter, and 5% salt just to keep themselves mm. from starvation. You hear that? And then I talk to a Haitian woman and she goes, those cookies are fucking awesome. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're eating dirt. She goes, I order dirt to make Haitian mud cookies. I'm like, what? Like you have a burger right down the street. Like you have that comfortability now. She goes, it tastes like a snickerdoodle. Then I had one and I was like, I get it. it tastes pretty good. But I look at that and the countries that are less fortunate, all they have in Africa is gold, diamonds, and things that are very, very valuable. But no resource to survive. They can't grow food there. They can't do these types of things. They have to, th their animals are completely different from what we have. You know, the same factor yeah. is when I podcasted with my uh, Zach from Australia. He told me, "I'm not worried about sharks. Like that's a big, that's a problem. But I'm not worried as much as I'd be worried about a grizzly bear in America." I'm like, 
but you're also getting a one-sided view of what America looks like. The same fact is if you watch The Simpsons or watch Family Guy and you choose to structure your life like that's what America is, that's not what America is at all. Yeah, no, I fully understand that. Like, but I, what I'm asking is like, what? So you you think that that it's sort of being over exaggerated? Like America's like. I think depending on where you're that? getting information from, if you're not looking at both sides, if you're not if you're taking all your information off one source, you're going wrong anyway. If you're making claims, but I don't think it's like it's not like these are these are ambiguous. I mean, these shootings are happening; they are happening, right? Mass shootings. Yeah, but when of, does the media yeah. ever focus on anything good that happens in America? When does that yeah, mean? But- yeah, exactly. It's mean world syndrome. The fact that media and all these types of outlets have history has always happened. There's murder in every single country. Then you're seeing it prevalent here. I do believe that is happening. I do believe people are becoming more fooled because the problem is we're becoming sensitive in the wrong way. Okay. I, I do agree with you. That is a problem here. I'm not fighting for America here too, but I'm trying to see it from both sides of the spectrum as well. You know, I just think that, that I mean, there's so many, there's a lot of different countries and there's a lot of different countries that have the same density. There's a lot of countries that have the same, but not all of us have the same, not all of our people have the same relationship with guns. I think there's something must be tied to you guys idea of freedom or something weird is happening with, with the idea that, because what happened in Australia is we had a mass shooting and then the government banned guns. And we, there's been like 20 years where we've had no mass shooting. So you can't just say that, like, I just feel like just by saying that it's to do with the density, I think you kind of maybe kind of not critiquing the fact that America's relationship with guns is just weird or there's something that's gone wrong. I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely think it's, yeah. I don't think we should have, I don't think anybody that has reasonable thinking or head on their shoulders understands the power that a gun holds. I used to play Call of Duty thinking it'd be awesome to join the war. And next thing I know, I shot a gun for the first time and I never, I, I understood the power behind it. I think a lot of people don't experience that type of realization. I think a lot of people just go full on to, into things. They charge in head first and they don't realize the critical thinking behind anything. I do believe that. I do believe America does have a problem with guns, but I'm not the guy that makes the justification or claims to be able to say that you don't deserve guns. Um, sadly, we're still producing a large amount of guns, even though that Everyone in the world could probably own 10 and there'd still be a little bit left over. The same idea, there's always new porn coming out. Like who's jacked off to every single porn tape in the world? No, you could Mm. do that every single day, a hundred times a day for the rest of your life and you would never get through not even a small fraction of the collection. The problem is there is a market for it. There are people. I know, but I mean, there's a degree of amount. Like, if the government decide, if your government, I mean, we're talking about like simple solutions. And and in America, banning guns would be a simple solution, right? Or at least banning automatic rifles or something. I mean, having your kind of rifle to go in the farms and shoot animals, one thing. Having the the option to have a gun that can shoot hundreds of rounds, like in five minutes, like, like I can't really see the justification of anybody needing a gun like that. Well, that's why they banned automated assault rifles. But the problem is. You can't when you when you ban automatic rifles and like AR-15s are banned now, like these types of things that are banned in different places. I'm like, but people are already either grandfathered in with those that they bought them before that law came out. And like I said, that's where I see America just has a shitty fucking foundation with the fact of our laws. The the laws are crooked and the laws don't even make sense sometimes. So I'm like, so the people are grandfathered in. That means those people are going to have assault rifles and other people are not going to have a chance to get them. But the problem is there's people that come from other countries. There's people that come from here as well that choose the black market type shit. I'm going to sell these under the table and get my money, get, get what I need. 
you know, they need something for themselves. Not when yeah. they see like, oh, this is just an assault rifle. He's going to do what he wants to do with it. If, if, if you ban assault rifles, if a motherfucker is going to get an assault rifle, he's going to go buy an assault rifle. I mean, I don't mean to. Yeah, option in Australia. I could go on the black market and, and buy yeah, an assault. It's, but it's, there's no mass shooting. So what's the difference there between Australia and America? I don't know. I, I guess the, the the problems you guys probably face. You guys don't you guys don't experience a lot of stuff that we're experiencing. We're we're like I said, we're too compacted as a society. I don't believe you should be living anywhere this close to each other. It's the same fact that China has a like they do a they do a population control thing because of how many people that live there. It's hard to get a bunch of people yeah. working together in harmony in one place and not have any conflicting views or have any arguments. The sad fact is you're comparing two completely different countries and two different moral values of what we all consider valuable. The fact is in yeah. Africa. I think it's more to do with the value, not to do with the density, because China's really dense and they're not having mass shootings. I think it's more to do with your attitude towards guns, not the way. That makes sense too, because in um, if you look at uh, uh, China, like if you bump into a person from China in America, they'll bump right into you and not apologize, where um, an American bumping into someone you'd apologize for. And the reason why is that's common narrative down there. You don't have to apologize. If there's someone in your way, you can bump into them and move them out of your way because they learned there's so many fucking people there that they have to yeah. do that. Like pushing a child. No, I'm not trying to say America's bad. I'm just saying that from an outside perspective, the gun stuff just does not make sense. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I, if, if I was coming from your perspective or coming from your country and seeing America and I've never been over here for the first time, I, I, it would be hard for me to understand, especially looking at like gun laws and all these types of things. But I've also spoken to Bulgarians, Russians, Slovakians, and all these people that come here and work at my work. And they talk about the amazing things they hear about America, land of opportunity. And all they do is yeah. buy a bunch of shit and then go back home and sell it for twice as much. I'm like, <laughs> because you're in a less economically safe place than America. We're in critical condition with our economy, but it's so easy to make a buck here compared to um, like Russia and all these types of places yeah, yeah. where your, 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 your money is not worth as much as ours. And I, I hear that and I'm like, it's all about where you, where you were placed at, where you were, where you were made your spot on this earth, where you were born into, you know, it's, it's all about, it's just, we got a lucky roll of the dice. And sadly is we're suffering the problems we make for ourselves are going to keep happening because we choose to make money. We choose to choose the money option over caring about somebody. Yeah. I also think if the government changed and, and put in some laws against it, like that would definitely help. I mean, that's what happened in Australia. The government changed, the government saw a problem and banned the guns the next day. I mean, the guns were gone all not that quickly, but I mean, I feel like that government, your government could do that if it wanted to. Yeah. But the problem is when they ban those guns, there's already so many out here now. There's so many people that have them hidden either in a bunker or whatever the hell you want to believe. And they, it, it, it would just be taking guns from people that are psychologically sound to get guns. But the problem is we don't do testing like that. We just do background yeah. checks. I think that it needs to be a mental health check before you go and buy guns. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so much stuff that could happen. I just, um, and don't get me wrong, I went to America and I really liked it. I'm not like a shit all over America. I just, the gun stuff from Australian perspective is just mind boggling. And just so sad because like, it's just not, like in Australia, like if you wanted to go harm someone on the street, you could, and people do it with, knives or they do it with axes and yeah they might kill one or two people they just don't have the same range as you as you can with a gun you know what i'm saying yeah that's the anti i mean it makes sense and like i said i mean you, you, 
I, I understand it coming from your perspective as well. And I'm not fighting for America, but I'm also not trying to sit mm. there and say America is to blame for everything. I'm just saying, you know, I, I look at human human nature okay there's an aspect to want to conquer and that's constantly been through war i mean if you wanted to compare places you could look at like uh, genghis khan or whatever the hell you want to say like yeah you know the the people there was murder and savagery going on throughout history but the factor is it's found a new form it's war everything it's it, it people say it never changes it adopts a new form it adopts a new face it adopts a new weapon style it adopt whatever it is it all adapts to a newer age and i think that's what's happening in the world today i see like yeah. guns being so easily produced and the fact that it's just a money aspect we're cranking them out like mcdonald's burgers and it, the the fact is we don't need to be really doing that but we always want to be ahead we always want to prove that we're better than somebody else and i tell people Humble yourself. Be a minority in places that you're not. You don't understand what white privilege is. I know what white privilege is. I've experienced it. I work at a place where I'm the only white guy on an all Latino staff. I'm. I've been a minority most of my life. I felt like I'd never really fit in, only because of the way I think is a little bit different. I chalk yeah, it up to there's two types of people in the world. There's the one type of person that's up in the morning and is able to function with everybody else. Then there's just those people that are considered night owls or these type of nocturnal people that kind of um, are up at night and don't go out during the day. And a lot of times I've talked to those people on hell, I can be one of those people. The factor is they feel more comfortable when nobody's out to the, at the grocery store where they can truly do their shopping at two o'clock in the morning. Like the peace I get at being able to go up to the line and not check out without having to wait 45 minutes and obviously not be able to be associative with such kind of bad negative energy. People just pissed off, like not talking to each other. It's comfortability factor. You know, some people choose to live their life like that. I say you are who you are and what you decide to be is whatever road you decide to take in life. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to recover from me trying to fight from America's side because now <laughs> I feel like I need to go grill up a couple burgers and immediately start spreading like, I guess, America on everything. And I'm like, no, I don't, I, I don't. I don't think that way. I think there's a hell of a lot of better countries out there that I would love to go visit and love to go experience. Um, but I think it's the same thing with Germany too. Like the whole factor is every time you go over to Germany, they go and tell you like, Oh, you know, nice to see you. Nice to have you here. We're not like what we used to do. Like, that's not us. That's not us. And I, I hear that. And I'm like, they're totally stereotypical now. Like people just immediately think, Germany think Nazis like they're never ever yeah. going to recover from that we've put so much implementation and put them in so much debt where they're not even allowed to have nuclear weapons anymore they're not allowed to have anything they're not even allowed to have a sufficient army and we made claims and justifications on them from back in the day which they couldn't be like now they realized what they did and they realized what was wrong but I think it's all about people make justifications and claims on something they truly have never experienced for themselves like those people I don't think are any sort of what they were like back in the day and even back in the day there was cases of people that were like i didn't believe what i was doing but i had to do it because i feared for my family you know like i said it's all about understanding and all about listening to other people's experiences to try and decipher through all the shit yourself yeah no i i get that um no, I, I, yeah, I like, like, as I said, I went, I really liked America. I just, yeah, at least the gun law stuff, I just don't fully understand. But I, I mean, I don't really know any, when I went to America, I didn't really meet anyone that was necessarily pro guns anyway, because I went to a lot of 
areas that were pretty like I guess progressive um but yeah I mean it seems like you've like got a lot out of all the podcasts you're doing and meeting lots of interesting people it must be a cool way to kind of um have new ideas and stuff like that it's pretty cool I think it keeps an open mind to things and I think yeah the main problem that we face as people is we just choose to be close-minded and set in our ways I think you need to be a little bit more open to things you know I I didn't was able not to understand a lot more and care about people a little bit more only because I was able to podcast with people. You know, I found a yeah. passion in hearing what other people are interested in and just having a conversation. I thought like it was really weird that we were all walking around each other, especially here in America and just not talking to one another, not even saying hi and, you know, studying mental health and all these types of things, listening to people's stories of depression, that if someone would have just said hello to them, it's not their job to, but it's a moral kindness you should be doing. Like, you Yeah, should. no, definitely. Um, do, you, do you know the um, musician? I think his name is Daryl Davis. Have you heard of this guy? Um, sounds familiar. He's this jazz musician in America that um, meets up with Ku Klux Klan members and tries to... Um, talk to them and and tries to because he, he's um african-american he was saying like how can you hate me when you don't even know me and he'd basically go find them out talk to them over a long period of time and then become friends and they couldn't be in the kkk anymore and they actually give him his hoods and he collects them all it's a really a cool story and i think that that's just such like a nice way you know that by actually sitting down having conversations with people like all sorts of people is a way to try and break down some of those like kind of negative ideas that people have i think it's really cool yeah it's all about being rational you know just taking the time to get to know somebody for who they are and understand their way of thinking and you know if we just took more time and caring for one another um i think the world we, we could build up people again and we could also build up the world so i do have a little bit of faith in people but i think it's going to take it, it always takes something super drastic to happen like a shooting or a type of terroristic threat where people totally forget about race totally forget about anything that's different about one another and they come together to solve this problem and i don't want mm. it to be like that i just wish people were more rational in thinking but people make too much claims and stuff because of how much tension like our country's facing yeah well, you know what? No, definitely. I I appreciate you being on my podcast. I'm sorry if I seem like a little it's bit right. of a nut job. I just, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot. And I also like just having conversations with stuff. And I like to see where it goes. Yeah, no, it's been fun. I, it was definitely took some wild turns. I didn't know we were going to get to so many conspiracy theories. But um, it's interesting to talk to people that... I mean, from a religious studies perspective, I, that's why I said I love the religions that are a little bit weird. And that's like love in a sense that I love it from a sociological perspective of thinking how people think like that and how they believe it. I don't necessarily believe it myself. That's why my interest is in Scientology. I like Temple of the Jedi. I like um, Church of All Worlds, which is this cute little American-based religion based on a science fiction religion. It's really adorable. It basically believes, do you know, um, there's a, science fiction author called Robert Highland, and he wrote this book called Stranger in Strange Land about his fictional religion called the Church of Orwells and they've based their religion off that religion. I think that's kind of cute. In George Orwell? So I, I like Pardon? The George Orwell guy, the guy that uh, made War of the Worlds? Uh, War of the Worlds I thought was H.G. Wells, but I might be wrong. H.G. Wells. George Orwell did 1980. 
I thought it was Orwell's was the one that did uh, War of the Worlds with um, the giant aliens coming down and stuff, and he did that fake news thing as like a publicity stunt. I'm pretty sure it was... um... H.G. Wells is a fiction writer, I thought. I think I'm pretty sure it's just George Orwell's the one you're talking about, the one that did the War of the Worlds. Pretty positive. Uh, No, uh, War of the Worlds was H.G. Wells, and George Orwell does 1989. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. I got mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, 1984, George Orwell, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, 1984. <laughs> 1989 is a as a bar. 19 yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah, you're right. And I, I think that's I think it's it's fascinating that you have um at least something like science fiction, like that type of thing. A lot of people are just talking up to Jetsons and flying cars, but like it's cool and idealistic to think where we're gonna progress in the future, especially with technology. I think that's awesome that you study things of this sort and you also you really analyze historical and like religious stuff too when it comes to your sciences. Like you 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 look at like what was known in history and also what history could become too. Yeah, definitely. And what I like about Scientology, uh, sorry, science fiction is that that it critiques those things. So that it critiques our idea of progression or critiques our idea of technology and problematizes it rather than just saying, you know, this kind of idea that everything's good and every that, that just sort of thinking progression equates to something good when it can be so, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be good. And just because these technological advances are happening doesn't mean it's going to be positive. And they, they almost act as a warning and, and, and like a prophecy of, of going hang on like let's take ai to its kind of spookiest level and then see what we think about it and so we can kind of maybe try and rethink our habits now that's what i see science as being able to do yeah and it's fascination i i i I have great hopes for the future i really do i really hope it becomes something i would love to have you know a teleportation device but at the same time i don't like alexa (laughs) controlling my toilet that's a little bit too far for me when i when i stop having to (laughs) do the basic necessities for myself, I start to get a little bit scared. <laughs> well, uh, look, I appreciate you coming yep, out. No, definitely. I think the more we can. Tara, hello. No worries. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. It was awesome talking to you. Um, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.